know me at all, you know that I love telling stories. And those stories usually involve the stupid situations that I managed to get myself into. Uh, like the time I thought I was actually in the Italian job and managed to reverse my mini down some steps, which happened to be outside a very crowded beer garden. That's the actual car. Um, you'll be pleased to hear the car survived because I managed to drive back up the steps. And of course, I got a round of applause from everyone watching, so I went from being extremely mortified to feeling amazing very, very quickly. Or there was the time that two friends and I hitchhiked to a 24-7 prayer conference over in Frankfurt. Now remember, it was a prayer conference. Uh, we managed to wait at one particular junction. I think we were there for about four hours before getting, um, without getting picked up, before one of us sort of piped up, um, do you think that maybe one of us should pray? So you probably now have a tiny glimpse of my personality from those two stories. I don't know what glimpse you've got, but there we go. Um, but telling stories is such a wonderful way to find out what someone is like. And over the last few weeks, we have been looking at a number of stories about Jesus in Matthew's Gospel. And as we look at each of these stories, we are asking, what is Jesus like? And whether you've been a Christian for decades or whether you are just exploring faith, understanding the character of Jesus is such an important thing to do because it can tell us what God is like, what his kingdom is like. And, it, and for those of us who are Christians, it can tell us what we should be trying to be like. So today we are looking at the story of Jesus clearing the temple uh, and we find that in Matthew chapter 21. And we join Jesus in the outer courts of the temple. And he's in what is essentially a small market. And that market is selling animals for the sacrifices that are just a regular part of worship. And we read from verse 12. Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Such a vivid story, isn't it? You can almost imagine yourself there watching the scene unfold. And I'm a big movie fan, and some of my favorite scenes in movies are in markets just like this story. And I think they work really well for films because they're bustling and they're busy and they're kind of chaotic places. So think James Bond riding his motorbike through a bazaar in Skyfall. Or in one of what I think is the best films ever made, Raiders of the Lost Ark, we find Indiana Jones and Marion running from assassins in a Cairo market. They're in one of those baskets there. And so maybe this moment with Jesus isn't quite like those films, but I think it's fair to say it is as chaotic. You know, tables are being overturned. You can imagine all their contents, the animals and the coins going all over the place. And John's gospel tells us that Jesus even made a whip and uses that to clear the temple. And over the last few weeks, we've been hearing about how kind and how gentle and how compassionate Jesus is. On this day, though, he seems to be raging. I mean, he's attacking people with a makeshift whip. We're back at Indiana Jones again. But on first reading, 
Maybe Jesus seems a little bit out of character here compared to what we've been hearing about over the last few weeks. So what is he doing in this story? So let's start with a bit of context. The market was exploiting people and putting barriers in the way of worship. The merchants that were selling those animals for sacrifice were very likely artificially inflating the prices. One author estimated that an animal bought inside the market would have cost you 10 times more than an animal bought outside of it. There was also a special temple currency, the only money that you could use inside the temple. And you could change your coins there, but the money changers often deceive people by offering high exchange rates. So rather than this market simply offering a service so that people could worship, we find inflated prices and high exchange rates. And I think it's fair to say, if you were someone from a poorer background, you would have really noticed that additional cost. So the market had become a means to exploit people, and it had created these barriers that people had to overcome before they could even begin to worship. So you might be thinking, okay, Sam, I get that Jesus is frustrated, but why would he act in this way? I mean, he's chucking furniture around. And that is a question I certainly asked when I first read this story, because um, to be honest with you, I had a little bit of a mixed response to it initially. On the one hand, I absolutely loved it. Jesus clearly has a heart for justice here. But on the other hand, it's possible to read this story and think he's gone a little bit out of control. And personally, that was hard for me to get my head around, because I grew up in a house where tempers were definitely not under control. Some days things would be wonderful, and on other days there would be these explosions of anger and frustration for reasons that I just didn't really understand. So this story can seem a little bit confusing, especially if, like me, you have been affected by someone who can't stay in control of their emotions. Now, there's lots going on in this story, but I just want to pull out two things to answer that question, what is Jesus doing? Firstly, This isn't an uncontrolled outburst. The version of this story in Mark's Gospel gives us a really, really important detail. It starts the story like this. Jesus entered into Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. So Jesus arrives into Jerusalem, goes to the temple, has a look around, but it's getting late. So he goes back to where he's staying for the night, and it's not until the next day that he comes and clears the temple. You see, he saw what was going on, and he slept on it. And besides, this isn't the first time that Jesus would have been at the temple and seen the market. This wasn't a new thing. So this moment, this story, it's not a reactive outburst. He is not out of control in this moment. Secondly, this isn't out of character for Jesus because this very action is motivated by compassion. You see, something had gone very wrong in the place where things were supposed to be made right. This was supposed to be a temple, a holy place where people could come, offer a sacrifice, worship, find grace and forgiveness. But instead people were being exploited. 
And for Jesus, turning over the tables is this profound act of love because just as we have been hearing over the last few weeks, Jesus loves people and it would be impossible for such deep love to not be moved by what he saw. You see, I read an article this week about this exact thing. Uh, It was about a lady called Becky Murray who runs a charity And she went to Pakistan and visited a brick factory. And at this factory, whole families, including children, were in bonded labor, essentially modern slavery. And these families, including the kids, would work for up to 15 hours a day with very, very little money. In response, Becky and her charity started a children's home. And they took the kids out of slavery and provided them with an education. Describing the trip, she said, it arrests your heart. It's a non-negotiable moment. You have to do something. And this is what we see from Jesus here. It's not a temper tantrum. It's a response motivated by love. You see, Jesus' compassion, it is gentle and it is gracious. But sometimes that compassion is Fierce, that compassion that cannot help express itself in an action. And as confusing as this story was for me when I first read it, now I think in a weird, upside-down kind of a way, I think it can be a comfort to us. That God is still moved today when he sees injustice, whether that's racial injustice, exploitation, abuse, exclusion. He is not out of control, but he will not be inactive when we experience injustice. He cannot help but respond. So what is Jesus like in this passage? He is fiercely compassionate and he is moved by that compassion. But what I love about this story is that Jesus' response doesn't just end with him clearing out the temple. After the money changes and the merchants are unceremoniously ejected, and the very next verse, it tells us that the blind and the lame came to him at the temple and he heals them. This is really, really significant because the belief of the time was that chronic illness was the cause of a divine curse and they didn't want that curse in the temple. So the blind and the lame, they weren't even allowed in through the gate. So this is kind of like self-isolating, but for divine curses. So not only were people being exploited and financial barriers being put into place, some people were not even allowed into the temple to worship. Now, imagine turning up to church and being told, sorry, you can't come in. Believe it or not, this has actually happened to me. You might be able to believe it after those stories earlier. Um, But a few years ago, Ronnie, my husband and I, we were invited by a really good friend of ours to to attend a special service at a cathedral. And it was the kind of cathedral that was sometimes open to tourists. And as we arrived, we were greeted by the guys on the door with, sorry, cathedral's closed. See, the ushers saw us and assumed we were there as tourists. But guys, I wish I could say that that was where the story ended. 
it didn't. Uh, the whole service escalated into this like, series of very unfortunate events, which left me slightly thinking that the guys on the door were acting on prophetic insight not to let us in. It was probably best that we didn't come in. Um, one moment in particular stands out. So it was during one of the hymns, and I was holding the order of service, which had all the words in, and Ronnie, who was stood next to me, he sort of leaned forward to see the words and took a big breath in so he could sing. And this action meant that the buttons on his shirt burst open. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what I did. I thought it was the funniest thing that I had ever experienced in my life. And Ronnie, who is actually the sensible one out of the two of us, thought it was best if we were separated. So he kind of shuffled out of the aisle and he said something really supportive, like, I just can't be next to you at the moment. But what Ronnie hadn't realised was the cathedral was absolutely full to bursting. There was nowhere for him to sit. So he ended up kind of hovering um, quite uncomfortably, some might say shiftily, um, at the back. And of course, because this whole situation wasn't terrible enough, um, despite having put his phone onto airplane mode, during the quietest moment in the service, Siri on Ronnie's phone loudly announced... I'm sorry, I cannot help you right now. I could hear it from my seat. And of course, another usher who somehow managed to be simultaneously very silent and very angry asked Ronnie to leave. Now, Ronnie managed to convince this guy to let him stay, but he was chaperoned for the whole service. I know, poor Ronnie. It was so awkward, it was horrible. Now, this is a really stupid example, and I'm really not trying to do the cathedral down. We've actually been allowed back since, and they were really nice with. But um, their actions, intentional or not, they excluded us. It was so uncomfortable being there. And, and we laugh about this now. This is one of my favorite stories to tell. But imagine if we hadn't been so thick-skinned. Imagine if we were searching for God, if we were desperate, in need of healing, only to turn up and to be told church is closed or to be asked to leave because we'd got something wrong. This is what these lame and blind guys experienced every day. They weren't even allowed through the gates. But Jesus, Jesus does something amazing. So as soon as the traders and the money exchangers had gone out of the temple, the blind and the lame came in. Those who'd been excluded, not permitted to even enter into the temple courts. They weren't only allowed in, but they were allowed close enough so Jesus could heal them. He doesn't say to them, you're not allowed in here. He says, he is welcome in my father's house. She is welcome in my father's house. And in Mark's gospel, as Jesus tips over the tables, it says, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. In other words, for all people. He's saying, no matter who you are, you are welcomed. You are welcome to come in and worship. You are welcome to be touched by me and to be healed by me. You see, that is what Jesus is like. He doesn't just enter the temple, but he invites us into it. And I wonder if there are some of us here today who, for whatever reason, feel like you're not welcome into the heart of God's presence. Maybe you've been coming along for a while, uh, but you've stayed at the back or you've left 
as soon as the service finishes. Or maybe you've been joining us online, but you've never made it here in person. You've been keeping yourself on the edges because there's something in your life that you believe is excluding you. This story, this picture of Jesus tells us that that is not true. You are so welcome in the Father's house. You're welcome to come right up to him, get close enough for him to heal you, close enough for him to restore the broken and battered pieces of your life. So what is Jesus like? He is fiercely compassionate and he is radically welcoming. And we're called to be radically welcoming as well. Now, hopefully, you won't feel the need to start throwing furniture around or bringing whip to church. Please don't do that next week. But we do need to be like Jesus. We do need to have compassion for the excluded or people who are just different from us. Like Daryl Davis. Now, Daryl is a jazz and blues musician who, in the early days of his career, would often be the only black person in a whole venue. Now, one evening, he and his band had finished the set, and a white guy came over to Daryl and bought him a drink. And, and the white guy said to him, you know, this is the first time I have ever sat down and had a drink with a black person. After some gentle pushing from Daryl, he admitted that he was a member of the white supremacist group, the Ku Klux Klan. Now, I don't know what I would have done in that situation, run away very quickly, probably, but Daryl did something incredible He befriended the guy. And he actually went on to befriend many other members of the KKK. He invited them to his home. He had meals with them. He asked them questions. He even got the Bible out and studied the scriptures with them. And slowly, he dispelled the racist stereotypes that they held. And you know what? It is estimated that over 200 people have left the KKK because of Daryl. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. You see, there are many ways to turn over the tables. For Daryl, it meant actually reaching across the table, reaching across those things that had created divides and instead created a human connection. And we are invited by Jesus as his representatives to do the same. It doesn't have to be as dramatic as Daryl's story. It doesn't even need to be with someone that you deeply disagree with. It could be as simple as talking to the person sitting next to you at the break or at the end of the service, or looking out for someone here on a Sunday who looks shy or unsure. You know, those little acts of welcome mean so much, especially if someone is coming and they're not sure if they're welcome here. Or maybe there's someone in your class or your workplace or on your street or even at the school gates that no one else really talks to. Why don't you try saying hello to them this week? There are many ways that people are excluded and there are many ways to exclude them. So I wonder, who is God inviting you to include this week? So I started off by saying that this story of in the life of Jesus seems unlike many of the others that we've heard in this series. And on first reading, it might feel like this is not really a typical picture of what Jesus is like. But on looking deeper, I think this is exactly what Jesus is like. He is fiercely compassionate. He is deeply moved by injustice. And he is radically welcoming, drawing everyone close to him, especially those on the margins. And church, he is calling us 
to be the same, to be moved by injustice, especially when those injustices create division and exclusion. And you know, we have spent so much of the last 18 months disconnected. I can't think of a time when we have been more in need of extending God's welcome. And imagine the impact if every one of us today did just that, if we allowed ourselves to be moved with compassion for those on the margins. Imagine if every one of us reached out to just one person this week. That would be hundreds of people that would hear that they are welcome in the Father's house.